0: Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our Awesome of the Week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. This week, I'm welcoming a special guest co-host, Rachel Ann Ridge. She's the blogger at homesanctuary.com and author of Flash, a book about a homeless donkey that was named one of Publisher Weekly's Best Summer Books for 2015. Today, Rachel Ann tells us why it was her children's teenage years that were her very favorite years of parenting. And she tells the story of how it was not a wild teenager who brought the sheriff to her house with lights flashing in the middle of the night. It was instead a shaggy stray donkey who had adopted her family. All of that, plus our awesome of the week, coming up in episode 16 of Sorta Awesome. Awesome. Awesome friends, welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled to welcome a very special guest co-host today, author and speaker, Rachel Ann Ridge. Now, I've known Rachel Ann for years through blogging. Her blog is homesanctuary.com, and she recently sent me a copy of her brand new book, Flash, The Homeless Donkey Who Taught Me About Life, Faith, and Second Chances, I am so excited for you all to get to know Rachel more in this episode, but first, we're going to start as we always do with Awesome of the Week. And Rachel, since you have graciously agreed to be my guest today, (laughs) I'm going to let
1: you go first. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. And I am super excited about my Awesome of the Week because I finally perfected my cold brew coffee recipe. And it is so good.
0: It is delicious. I cannot wait to hear this. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a bit of a coffee fanatic. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) So there is nothing like in the summer to pour a glass of cold brew coffee to really just hit the spot that you need in the summer. So I cannot wait to hear this.
1: Well, um, I think I'm kind of slow to coming around to what cold brew coffee is all about, because I've tried iced coffee before and not really liked it, because uh-huh. it's too bitter and too strong, and um, so my my son-in-law actually gave me a great recipe for it, and um, it's really simple. It's three parts of water to one part of coffee, okay. and you put, put it into a pitcher and kind of stir it up and, and let it sit overnight um, or in the refrigerator and then in the morning you just you strain the coffee out and then um, you, what you're left with is a really strong brew mm-hmm. and um, then you just add equal parts water to what's left so um you know, you just basically dilute what you have. And that's all there is to it. You um, you, you, know, it's really important to have some good half and half and plenty of sugar yes. <laughs> and pour it over ice. But it is my new favorite thing. And I just I look forward to it. Like from the moment I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna have some cold brew coffee this afternoon. So that's, that's my awesome of the week. Yes, that is
0: truly awesome. Now. So do you start the day off with cold coffee? Or do you still have a hot cup?
1: To start oh no. Drink.
0: Oh, I have got to wake up with the hot coffee. Me too. Me too. Yes. I'm exactly the same
1: way. Yes. <laughs> I won't tell you how much I drink every morning, but I do. I, I go to bed at night looking forward to that first cup in the morning. Yes. So good. Yes. And you
0: are so right. If you are listening and if you have tried just an iced coffee, Rachel is so right in that the cold brew experience is totally different. There's something about the way that the coffee sort of mellows overnight that brings such a different flavor. It's not the bitterness that you might expect from a regular iced coffee. So...
1: Right. And, and what's kind of fun is when you're sipping it, you're like, I would pay $5 for this co- oh, for this thing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so that just to me just makes it even that much more pleasurable. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you
0: so much for that recipe. That is something that sounds so easy. It's so easy to whip up and then it's such a treat the next day and way cheaper to do it yourself than Definitely. to have it at a coffee house. So That was wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm going to share my awesome of the week. It is something that I have been looking forward to for weeks, and that is the release of Joy Williams' new album, Venus. It came out this week, and I have been looking forward to it. For people who are not familiar with Joy Williams, you may be familiar with her because she was part of the duo The Civil Wars. Mm-hmm. She, I love them. Yes. She and John Paul White were The Civil Wars for several years, unfortunately, and heartbreakingly to all of their adoring fans, decided to call it quits last year officially. Um Joy Williams also, prior to the Civil Wars, had a career in Christian contemporary music, so that name may sound familiar Mm -hmm. to you from a while back. So this is a solo project that she has been working on since the breakup of the Civil Wars, and I bought it yesterday and have listened to it song by song, and it is absolutely gorgeous. I do have to say It is quite a departure from the tone and sound and feel that they had created with the Civil Wars. There's a few songs on the album that are kind of a callback to that feel, but if you're going into this album expecting like the Civil Wars part two, I think you'll be disappointed because she really had the courage and bravery to really set out and go her own way with the release of Venus. Um, So one thing that I really appreciated about this album is she really explores what it means to grow into becoming a woman, what it means to be a woman. And some of those themes that come up, I'm sure are universal that a lot of us can relate to, particularly, I mean, I feel like I can really relate to a lot of what she writes about in these songs and what she is speaking to having grown up in church culture, because she speaks a lot about like letting go of perfection, Mm. being okay with kind of being a mess, being really honest (laughs) and vulnerable about that. And a lot of times, unfortunately, in church culture, there's this pressure on women to put on our, you know, put on our best face and to project that we've got it all together and we've got it under control and to do things perfectly. And in song after song on this album, she really takes that apart and just says, actually, I'm really not perfect. And I'm really learning how to be okay with that. And I'm really relying on the grace of those around me to, to be okay with the fact that I, I've kind of made a mess of things and extending grace to herself in rebuilding, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the hardship and challenges that she went through, particularly after the Civil Wars broke up. Another part of the album that I really enjoy is that sh- there's a couple of songs that speak to becoming a mother. She has a little baby boy now. <laughs> and the very last song on the album absolutely had me in tears. I'm actually getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. It's called Welcome Home. And the first line oh says, gosh. yes, it's so good. The first line says, hello, I've been waiting for you. I didn't know if you'd recognize my voice because I've been whispering your name again and again. I've been imagining this day and I'll never be the same. And she just goes into talking about, you know, just that feeling that you have. Oh, it just gives
1: you tears. It's beautiful. It
0: really does. It really does. Just especially that part about whispering your name. You know, I think a lot of times as moms, especially if we know the name or if we're even just trying out a name <laughs> for the baby that we're carrying or that we're anticipating bringing home. Um, you just kind of whisper the name and it's, sometimes it's even just a secret between you know you mm-hmm. and your uh, your partner and just that idea that, that you're finally here. I've been imagining what you look like and now you're <laughs> here and welcome home. And she, she actually wrote a piece from medium.com, which I'll link to in the show notes, where she explains kind of song by song what her reasoning and what her thought process was in writing each of these. And in her notes on Welcome Home, she talks about the fact that she wanted it to be a song that her son could listen to, whether he's five or 35, and know that he always is, you know, going to oh. be that their home will always be a safe place for him, that he, that she will always be a safe place and a home for him. So I love anyway, that. Yeah.
1: I can't wait to listen to it. I, I think I saw that you had tweeted out that her album was out yes. and I just made a mental note to um, go to iTunes and find it. And I haven't done that yet, but I, I will be so fascinated to hear the stories behind the songs. Cause I think that makes it even that much richer and she's, she's an incredible artist, and I can't wait to hear her style. I haven't heard any of the songs from the album, so I'm super excited. Yes, yes, it's well worth it, well worth it, I think.
0: Um, and I, I'm i like you. I love to hear, like, what went into writing this song. What were you thinking, and, yeah, um, you know, how did that come out in both the lyrics and the melody and those types of things? So, yeah, it's really fantastic. Well, we have so much to talk about today. And I've got some questions that I'm so looking forward to hearing your answers to. But first, let's back up a little bit. And I want to give you a chance, Rachel-Ann, to tell us about who you are (laughs) and everything that
1: you have going on right now in this season of life. Wow. Um, Okay, well, I'll try to keep it brief because I know we have a lot to talk about. But I have been married for 32 years. I have three grown kids my um, baby which he'll hate that I call him that but he is (laughs) he is going to be a senior in college so that tells you um, where I am in life and the son's in college and then I have two daughters that are grown and they each have a baby of their own so I am I am in a completely new season of life and um, really making some big huge adjustments but it is so it is so fun let's see, I was, as you can imagine, 27 years with kids at home. So life is very, very different the last few years as I have uh, made an adjustment and just really trying to figure out who I am and do I have a life outside of motherhood? And there've been some really great surprises along the way. And um, one of those um, is just writing a book um, that, you know, and that happened as as my kids were leaving home and, um, and after they were gone and they've become my big cheerleaders. So, so I am a late bloomer, I would say, and proof that good things can happen later on in life. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) and I think, you know, I've always been so impatient for, um, for things to happen and, you know, kind of like, Oh, you know, when are my, uh, I'm trying to work on my dreams, but, um, I was just, so frequently overwhelmed as a as a mom and running a small business that I just felt like a lot of my dreams were on the back burner and, you know, just wondering when that time was going to happen. So um, having a book come out really is proof that, you know, when you... Uh, stay after something for a long time. Good, good stuff can happen. So, let's see what else, Megan. <laughs>
0: that is so good and so so encouraging. I know that there are plenty of us who are thinking right now, like, oh my goodness, what you know, what is going to be waiting for me in yeah. the years that follow my kid's not being here? Because I, my, uh, my husband's uh, grandmother had eight children, and wow. she very famously said often, especially to encourage her daughters and granddaughters as they had their own children, that whether you have one child or if you have eight children, it doesn't matter. Your kids are like all you do. That's all you do. (laughs) (laughs) Whether you have one or eight or however many, that mothering takes so much energy and time. And so, yes, I know there's so many of us who are thinking ahead already, like what would be waiting for me on the other end of this, you know, in the trenches mothering gig. So... That is so encouraging to know. Um, One thing that I wanted to mention, too, is that you and I met many, many years ago through blogging. (laughs) Right. I was so drawn to the name of your blog from the beginning. Again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, your blog is Home Sanctuary. And from the very first time I clicked on your blog, I loved the, the mission that you had, that you created with... Home Sanctuary. Tell us a little bit more about that. How did you get started in blogging and what kind of impact did it have on you as a person and also your career?
1: Well, um, I'm a big blogging fan, you know, I think that blogging, I started blogging in 2006, is that about when you started as well? It is when I started. Okay, so I feel like we're old timers. We are definitely old timers. You know, we had blog (laughs) rolls in our sidebar. Absolutely, yes. There was no Twitter and no other social media and um, it felt kind of like a small world, like um, bloggers kind of knew each other. So it's really has been amazing to see how it has just exploded and given um, people really even like myself, uh, uh, the opportunity to expand your talents and, I mean, just do a multitude of different things. But I I really, I enjoyed writing, uh, and I still do uh, enjoy writing about Home Sanctuary, and I think that was kind of my philosophy of life in raising kids and, um, you know, like my kids were in high school and I think middle school and grade school when I started. So life was really full and really chaotic. And I just felt like I had this need to create a space for my family that felt warm and secure and welcoming. And like, we could just come inside and circle the wagons and, and um, be nurtured and, you know, uh, gain strength from one another. And, but that's difficult to pull off, especially when you're not not that organized. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm I will all just, too familiar with yeah, that. Yes, I just. <laughs> go ahead and put that out there. And I felt like there were so many blogs that um, looked amazing. These people had these incredibly organized pantries and linen closets and scrapbooks and all this stuff. And their kids were just starched and pressed. And, you know, we were just running out the door with mismatched socks and, you know, eating a (laughs) granola bar on the way to school. And Um, and, and I just, I felt like, you know, there's gotta be hope for other people like me and it really is possible to have a great family, even if you don't live a Pinterest worthy life. And so that was really important for me to share some of my coping, um, strategies and techniques. And so that's really how my blog got started. And, um, I've met such wonderful people online like you, you and I just, you know, kind of connected early on and it's, it. It really is an amazing way to you know, just to just to make friends. You feel like you know people just because you connect in that way.
0: That's so true. That's so true. And back in those days, especially <laughs> when we very first started, things were, they were really, they were kind of the stories of our lives. Right. The pictures were just usually snapshots out of a point-and-shoot camera, if we even included pictures right. in our blog right. posts. And so things were very different, especially in those pre-Pinterest days. In fact, actually speaking about perfect pantries and um, all of those types of things. One thing that I loved that you did for years on Home Sanctuary was your Small Things series. Can you tell us a little bit more about what inspired that and kind of the community that you built around creating this Small Things series?
1: Well, as I previously stated, I've been frequently overwhelmed pretty much every day by, you know, all the stuff, the laundry, the tasks, the lists. And and my MO is when I get overwhelmed, I just implode. And I want to curl up in a little fetal position and suck my thumb and, you know, with a blankie and, <laughs> yes. you know, tell the kids to go fend for themselves yes. It's cereal again for dinner tonight. And... And so I used to just play, and I still do this, I, I play games with myself to, just to get myself out of this inertia that um, that I fight. And um, so I would just come up with one small thing a day that would create just a, a sense of order or a sense of peace or a sense of beauty in, in my surroundings. And um, a lot of the things had to do with order, and it might just be you know, something as simple as clearing the dishes off the kitchen counter which doesn't sound like a lot but for me was incredibly empowering. I mean, I I would I still feel like Wonder Woman when I walk into the kitchen and I'm, yes. and my kit my counters are clear, I feel like I can take on the world. Oh, absolutely, uh, yes. <laughs> and so you just start building momentum, you know, sometimes if you just get one thing done, if that's all you did all day, at least you feel like okay, I accomplished something. But often it would lead to something else. All right, well, I cleaned off the kitchen counter and now I can, maybe I can, you know, wipe out the kitchen sink or start a load of laundry or something like that. And so I just, I started posting those every day and for a while we did points and prizes with it and it was a lot of fun. I had just had a great time. Just, you know, developing a community and finding that that there were other people like me that um, were similarly uh, imploding and needing just a little nudge to do something that was kind of fun or, you know, just a a small thing that that could create sanctuary. So, I Yes, I loved that, that you took you really (laughs) did. You took a fun approach
0: to it because, honestly, I don't. Know that there are many personalities or temperaments that just really love like the down and dirty stuff of keeping your house up. (laughs) So much drudgery. So much drudgery. (laughs) Yes. And you really found a way to make it fun and something to look forward to for those of us who were part of that community. You did a fantastic job of leading that for so long. So, and I know again, blogging did eventually lead to your book about flash, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But I want to kind of stick with the family and home thread that we're kind of following Mm -hmm. right now because I would really love to pick your brain a little bit (laughs) as a mom, mom to mom, talking about the upcoming season that I am about to enter, the one that you have now left behind, and that is parenting teenagers. Yes. I look (laughs) at you and I see from your Facebook and other things, you have a warm... And loving and connected relationship with your now grown children. Right. My oldest daughter is 10, and so I'm kind of starting to panic a little bit, and I have <laughs> been panicking, but right. then, you know, every year that ticks off the calendar, I realize, oh my goodness, we're getting closer yep. and closer to those teen years, and I. Was not a truly difficult teen, but it's not really a season of life that I look back on and think, oh my goodness, that was so much fun. And it I was know. probably a ton of fun for my parents.
1: Right, <laughs> um, right.
0: But you, you know it. You are on the other side of it now and you have maintained and your, your relationships with your children are warm and connected. You've maintained that and you, I'm sure in a lot of ways, have grown in relationship as you guided them through the adolescent years. So I just would really love to pick your brain about the philosophies that really guided you as the mom through those sure. years, as well as do you have any just practical mm-hmm. tips and tricks for those of us who are heading in to that season?
1: Well, I think, you know, the first thing that I would tell you is that the teenage years can be your very, very best years as a family and as a parent. And the teenagers are so much fun. They're hilarious. They have a great sense of humor and they, um, you know, they have great takes on life and um, great perspective. And so I think that, you know, most people are surprised at how much joy comes along with the teenage um, years because we're all we hear are the horror stories. And, you know, you always, from the time your kids are toddlers, you know, that you're, you have a baby and people are like, Oh, just wait until they're toddlers. It's horrible. And then, Oh, just wait till they're in grade school. mm -hmm. It's horrible. And then you have this, you know, it's like if you had some, ominous theme music playing in the background as your kids are getting towards teenage years, you know, it's like, oh, just wait until they're teenagers. It's going to be horrible.
0: That's, I feel like that's exactly (laughs) where I am. I do. I actually feel like that there is ominous like Jaws music, danger ahead music. Everything in our culture tells us, like you said, from the time that we begin having children, everything in our culture says, oh, just wait until they're angry teenagers and slamming doors and hiding in their rooms. So, culturally we are conditioned to
1: think this is going to be the
0: worst so i can't wait to hear what you have to
1: share well i you know there you are going to be navigating some tricky waters there's no doubt about that but you look at your 10 year old and you think wow okay eight years from now she's going to be graduating from high school and you know embarking on her own so you know that there is a lot of territory that you're gonna that you're gonna have to cover and she's going to have to learn how to make decisions and how to think for herself and how to be independent and all of that means that um there are going to be a lot of changes in how you parent and how you relate to one another she's going to you know your your teenagers are going to naturally um think that they're smarter than you sure yes <laughs> and make their own decisions they want to make their own decisions and and um, I I think that you should just be prepared for that, and and just realize that how you have parented smaller children, kind of like from the top down, you telling them, you know, go put your shoes on, don't forget to brush your teeth, and all of that, all of that changes as they get older. And it's not so much from the top down, but it's it's a al- parenting alongside, like a like a coach would be doing. Right. You know, they're. They're in the game and they're like, you know, just imagine a game of basketball and you have a coach saying, you can do it, great shot. If they miss a shot, you're like, it's okay. You know, you're, you're, you are calling in from the sidelines the plays that you've learned, that you've been teaching them. And um, so it, it really is a different um, set of, uh, of parenting paradigms that you use, but, you know, you just, you can't be afraid of that. Because it's it really is really gratifying, and you really can keep that warm relationship with your kids, even though there's going to be some rocky times. <laughs> you know? Right. Yes. But that's to be expected. You know, you would it would be unrealistic if you thought that it it wouldn't be that way. So I think if you gear yourself that, um, and even have a sit down chat, as I did many times with our kids, to just say, I don't know how to parent teenagers. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes. We're we are gonna navigate this together. I'm here for you. I'm. I will always love you. I've got your back. And just being willing to talk through sit- their their situations and their feelings, and um, being willing to stay up late at night and yes. <laughs> when you <laughs> desperately want to go to sleep, and you know they're just getting going at eleven, but. You know, though, those things of uh, just reiterating to them that you are that you're on their team is go such a long, long ways in parenting adolescents and teenagers. That really
0: makes sense, because I think when I think about, again, the cultural construct of what parenting teenagers is like, it feels very adversarial, like. You against them and that it's a battle to be won. I love that idea of, no, we're on a team and we're together and I will coach you from the sidelines, but, but you're the one that's out there trying out these things, like figuring out who you are. I'm on the sidelines cheering you on and, and giving you ideas about the next move to make, but ultimately you're the one putting these things into practice. Right. So
1: I love that. It's such a, it's not an adversarial approach. No. And and you know, and I think that sharing your excitement for who they are becoming oh, yeah. is just contagious. You know, um, ha- helping them to cast a vision for who they are going to be as young adults. They're going to make good decisions. They're going to have good friends. They're going to find the what they're good at. If college is for them, or if they if there's another path. And you know, you as a, we as parents have um, just such a privilege of seeing what. Now what these little people become, you know, and you see their round little cherub faces when they're eight eight years old and you just want to (laughs) please them. But you're going to, you know, if you can just sort of put yourself 10 years down the line and you can see that same face. But with the with you know armed with the um, help and the knowledge that you've given to them, and they're ready to take on the world, how exciting it's going to be! Yes. Um, I I really do think that your positive attitude and your positive words go so so far. And in, in just creating an atmosphere of warmth and and good relationships with those teenagers.
0: I love that. I love that. On a practical level, were there any things that any like did you create new uh, rituals or new um, new routines or ways that you were still connecting with them? Because again, the idea again, every family dynamic is different. But a lot of times we think about teenagers really wanting their own space and really pushing mm-hmm. parents away even though deep within they do still need their parents to be there, but on the outside, they're pushing them away. Practically speaking, did you find anything that you were able to do to still reach out and have that one-on-one connection with them, even when they're kind of feeling like, you know, like they're saying, no, no, I don't, I don't need you to do this. Right.
1: Right. They're pushing you away, but at the same time saying, don't go away. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, I, you know, I think that, as moms, we're, we're really in tune with our kids, and and we are students of who they are, and their behavior, and their likes, and their dislikes, and their love languages, if you will. And like um, I had, uh, there, I think we used love languages for kids or something to just kind of help us understand what kinds of things really spoke to them and were meaningful. And um, one of one of our kids is just loves to just hang out. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and this is my son, when he comes home from college, and we did this from the time he was, you know, in middle school, hang out and, you know, watch episodes of The Office. Or he would just yeah. love it if, if I just sat on the couch and watched him play a video game, uh-huh. which, I mean, not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> right. Let's just say. Um, but he liked me to watch him try to get to the next level and, you know, and to sit there for an hour, you know, when, when you have laundry to do and other things that are calling you is kind of a sacrifice in, you know, on one hand, but then on the other hand, those, those days and those hours are really very fleeting. And, um, so I really just tried to do as much of those, those kinds of things that each I knew each child would do. But as far as making rituals and, and organizational things, you know, we did some of that, but nah, I wasn't really, <laughs> I was not <laughs> awesome at that, Megan.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to say that sitting next to your son for an hour on the couch watching him play video games, that's, that's a <laughs> level of awesome that I'm not at yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so. I mean, it gets harder and harder to do, you know, to find things that you, that build common ground. And yes. that's an easy one, yes. you know, he, so he just liked being being close. So that, I love that worked out.
0: I love that idea because what I really hear you saying is really making the effort to meet them where they are. And that when you do things, like you said, that may be a sacrifice, but when you do things like sit next to them while they're playing their video games, I think it conveys the message to them. Like, I see you for who you are and I right. see what you're into and I want to be into it too, Right. which is not to say you're going to pick up the video games when they're <laughs> out of the house. But like you said, in the time that they're at home to really affirm to them, like you as a person, you are important to me and I see you and I'm going to meet you in this.
1: Right. I love that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And who doesn't want to feel that way? You know, Absolutely. And they're their future adult people and when you start seeing them that way you know it's it just it becomes easier to affirm them and affirm the things that they love so That is fantastic. It's going to be great. You you have nothing to fear. (laughs) You're going to love it. Well, thank you for that assurance.
0: That is extremely encouraging. Like I said, we're on that downhill slide. We are starting all the tween angst and all of those different emotions that are coming to the surface. So we are right there already. So that's so encouraging to hear. We're going to shift gears just a little bit because I asked in our Facebook group, the Sorta Awesome Community Facebook group, which is on Facebook as the sort of awesome hangout. I asked if anybody had questions for Rachel Ann that we could cover on today's show. And I thought this one from Jessica in our Facebook group was really interesting. So she has this question for Rachel Ann. How do you deal with the fact that for most of us, most of the time, our problems are so first world, but they are hard for us. I often tell myself in the midst of struggling with a baby that won't sleep or an unexpected busted windshield, that at least I have my baby and a Mm -hmm. car to drive. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Is this true and something to be thankful for? Absolutely. Is it still hard? Yes. So how do you reconcile the day-to-day struggles of a mom of young kids with those truly difficult circumstances of people around the world? Um, Rachel Ann, in your book, you talk about some of the hardship and and struggles that you have been through as a person in in the life of your family. So I would love to hear your take on this. How do we navigate the tension between the very real problems that each of us face daily and the big problems that we, because of social media and the world that we Mm -hmm. live in, that
1: we are aware of constantly that Mm -hmm. are
0: happening around the world?
1: That's a really great question. And, you know, I I don't know that you ever really, uh, you know, come to a great conclusion on that um, I, I think it's just something that that we in our modern day where we have so much access to seeing what um, other people around the world are dealing with that it really can affect um, our minds and our you know the, the things that we are thinking about and you know that has both positive and negative um, consequences but first of all you know the the years that you're that you are um, home with little ones, particularly babies and toddlers. Man, those are rough years. I'm not, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. They are rough. Yes, <laughs> You know, you're just
0: tired all of the time. All the time.
1: All the tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like being eaten by piranhas, you know, just one little bite at a time. And yes. so, you know, that, it, that is a real struggle. And I don't think that's anything that you, sh- that you should feel guilty about or, beat yourself up over when you are struggling you have things that are that affect you uh, your physical body you have emotional things we all have baggage we all have families we have jobs we have the economy so there are things that um they they really are real and just because on the other side of the world somebody is um struggling to find food and water does not negate your situation so it does put it into perspective but, um, it, it doesn't take it away. Um, you know, I just, I think it's good to always just try to be looking at the glass half full. Yes. At least I have a windshield. Yes. At least we have a job. At least we have a baby, you know, those are, that's a great positive uh, mindset. And, and I think that you can really, um, lose energy when you, when you start thinking that you, should feel guilty about your situation and and then just realize that there and and i am really really realizing this that there are seasons of life and some seasons you are just focused on oh man let's just get this baby fed get a nap get a clean diaper get some food on the table and that is that is your day and that's all you can do and that is okay You can't go out and save the world. You just don't have the energy for that. But there will come a day that you'll have opportunities that will come your way and you'll have, and you'll look at your life and your lifestyle and you go, you know what, I ha- I do have pockets of time, I do have energy, I can do something about this, I can get involved in this other thing, so I think that you just, you know, you you just look at the situation that you have and just realize you, you can't do everything all at one time, but there will, you just stay open to when opportunities do come your way that that you can be a part of, of a bigger picture, so That is so
0: helpful. And I think that you are so right that sometimes when we do have little ones, it's easy to forget that that particular kind of hard is not going to last forever right It feels like right. it when it's you know night after night of broken sleep and right. um, you know all of the struggles of being young and starting a career all of those types of things you forget this is a temporary season it's it doesn't make it any less right. intense just because it's temporary yeah but yeah. I think that that is such a great reminder that there will come a day again when you do have that energy to, find a way to engage in making a difference. And that's something that I had to struggle with, struggle through so much because my personality type is one that wants to get out and save the world in big and small ways. And so there would be days when I would just have to talk to myself (laughs) with a lot of (laughs) self-talk and be like, the best thing I can do right now is love this child really well. I can create a safe and healthy and happy home for this child or these children I can create, I can do everything I can to create an environment that is going to, you know, raise these children to go out and change the world in their own way someday. That has really been helpful to me as I think about, gosh, I'm just one mom with a house full of kids and (laughs) I'm not doing anything positive for the world. But the truth is the way that we raise our children can have a legitimate impact on the world around us as we really invest our time and energy
1: in the people that we are raising them to be right well and you just imagine you know for each child that you have under your care as you launch a healthy whole child off into the world you have just you've you've multiplied yourself and your efforts and they and they are going to be world changers they will be um you know contributing members of society and have ideas that um, that you, you can't even imagine. So seasons of life is a really, really great, um, thing to hang on to when you're in that tough, tough time. And, um, you know, babies are hanging on your legs or, <laughs> or yes. you're, you know, there's like helping your kids do homework and you feel like, what am I doing? And yes. what is my purpose here? Because you really are, you are fulfilling a purpose. And, and if you could project yourself 20 years into the future, and look back on where you are today, you would see, oh, okay, I get it. This makes perfect sense. And this is all preparation of character and um, experiences that make me into who I am now. Absolutely. Yes. um, Yeah.
0: And Jessica's, um, her question reminded me of one of my very favorite blog posts that I've ever come across written by my friend, Heather King, who writes The Extraordinary Ordinary. I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes. I'm going to have to do a little digging because I haven't read it in a while, but she wrote this fantastic post years ago talking about how your hard is hard. It was talking about Mm, how mm -hmm. sometimes um, we have a tendency to compare our hard to other things and be like... And I'm having such a bad day. And then we see somebody in, in what we would consider to be a worse situation. And we sort of berate and shame ourselves for right. feeling like, oh, man, I shouldn't, this shouldn't be this hard. And we get so down on ourselves. But the truth is, your hard, the hard that you are going through that day, it is hard. And it's right. okay to acknowledge yeah. that. So, and then, like you said, to keep the perspective of it's not always going to be this hard. So, right. Right. That's so good. I can't wait to read that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been one of my favorites for a long time. So, all right. Well, let's shift gears again. Speaking of finding a new perspective, an unexpected perspective on things, your newest book, Flash, is about a donkey. (laughs) Right. A donkey who you took one look at and said what a pointless animal, (laughs) but also kind of cute. So without giving too much away about what we can find in the book, Flash, what can you tell us about how Flash came into your life and the life of your family and how that led to you writing an entire book about him and what you have learned from him?
1: Well, first of all, it has never been on my bucket list to write a book about a donkey. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. So, um, you know, talk about an a unexpected surprise, but um, w- uh, we live in Texas, and um, we're, it's not uncommon to see donkeys in pastures right. with cows or with goats mm-hmm. or, you know, um, but it is kind of unusual to find them wandering aimlessly about, um, and that's exactly what happened to my husband and I, and um, we Literally um, had a stray donkey show up on our driveway late one night. And it was at a very, very low point in my life. One of the lowest nights of just discouragement over um a business that was not going well that was being affected by the economy and and so we we pulled into our driveway and here in the headlights is is a shabby stray <laughs> donkey and he's all cut up and he's been through barbed wire and oh, he just looks horrible yes and and he was scared and um, so we, we thought, well, we'll just put him into our pasture for overnight. We had a little pasture. And so, you know, and obviously someone's looking for him because, you know, he has to belong somewhere. And um, so we, we pushed and pulled and prodded and rescued this donkey that did not want to be rescued and um put him into the pasture for overnight and um now eight years later we still have him um nobody ever showed up to claim him and um so he just became um a permanent member of our family and um we we kind of kept him on the on the basis of he made good yard art (laughs) it was a good conversation piece yes yes and um and then we just um you know and just through observing him um I just noticed that there were parallels going on um, in his pasture life and through some of the struggles that I was facing just as a mom and as a, um, a an artist and a small business owner and, you know, just the struggles of the economy. And here was this donkey day after day that was literally illustrating lessons and wisdom and, and life truths. And I just, you know, I'd jot something down in my journal and share a story on the blog every now and then. And and so out of that really came this book. And, um, and I'm just as surprised as anybody else about it.
0: So fun. So fun. I know I hadn't told you I was going to ask you this, but if you had a favorite Flash story to share with us, especially for people who are really unfamiliar with Flash's story and the kind of character he has,
1: (laughs) do you have a favorite (laughs) Flash story that you could tell us? Well, I, you know, a donkey, first of all, you know, they have the stereotype that they are um, opinionated and stubborn. And some of that is true. Some of it is a little bit of a exaggeration but i i think that my favorite story was um the time that the sheriffs showed up on my doorstep at one o'clock in the morning oh one goodness. night with their lights <laughs> flashing and, and they knocked on my door and i go to the door i'm in my slippers I, I actually happened to be up late they knocked on the door and you know in their texas drawl they said uh Ma'am, do you own a donkey? <laughs> and it's one of those out-of-body experiences. Like, you're, okay, you're showing up at one o'clock in the morning to ask if I own a donkey. Yes. <laughs> it turns out, turns out that my dear Flash had fallen in love with a horse next door. Uh-huh. It was a very cute little ma- uh, mare, uh-huh. long legs, long black mane. You know, she was adorable, and Flash had fallen in love with her and had broken down like two fences and two gates to get to her and somebody had called the sheriff's department and so they they showed up demanding that I come and drag him home. So (laughs) there's a whole thing he fell in love and we dragged him home. And uh, about a year later we saw that the that his lady love next door was getting huge. And Uh you know, so there was this whole year of like, is he the father or is he not the father? Is there gonna be a eternity's lawsuit or what's gonna happen oh my. here so. yes. so he's he's gotten himself into some crazy escapades like that, but that's just, you know, and you know, he's just uh, just as humble as can be and that, <laughs> unassuming, but
0: he did so manage funny.
1: to uh, capture the attention of the mayor next door.
0: Yes, yes. well, throughout the book, I just I loved it. it is it is a fantastic read, particularly, you know, I know not everybody is like this, but I have always found summer to be such a reflective time. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, growing up, obviously, as a a school kid, summer is a time off. And then when I was teaching, there was, again, that time of pause in the year for summer In between school years, and even to this day, even though I haven't taught for many years, I still, there's something about the natural slowdown of the seasons in summer that is such a great time to reflect. And I think that Flash is the perfect book (laughs) to pick up during the summer and, and to read because you do a fantastic job of translating those lessons, all of the funny stories and the poignant stories and the touching stories about this stray donkey And how the things that you learned through that, through bringing him into your family, brought you so much depth of insight into Mm. your own life and your spiritual walk and um, community and all of those types of things. So Mm. if you are looking for a summer read, I have to highly recommend Flash, the homeless donkey, (laughs) and everything (laughs) that Rachel Ann learned and is so willing. And, And something else that I appreciate so much about Flash is that you write with such honesty and such vulnerability about some really tough stuff that you went through and um, you don't shy away from it and and mm. just talk about the real life stuff that's been hard. And again, these unexpected and surprising yeah. lessons, lessons yeah. that you
1: learned along the way. So, so, you fun. know, I think I, you know, I, I think there's something about writing um, a, a story about, you know, an animal and his adventures are crazy and, and funny and, and poignant at times but there, there's something to me. I, I think I'm a, kind of a storyteller at heart. Or I like if I listen to somebody trying to teach me something, if they will tell a story along with it, I can remember. I can remember stories from grade school oh, yes. that a teacher said, or that maybe a, um, a preacher might have um, illustrated a lesson and. And as I was writing, um, you know, some some of my experiences and the things that, that I learned about friendship and about my own insecurities and the fears and the things that that I was just dealing with as, as a woman and um, about letting go of my, of my kids as they were starting to um, leave the nest, you know, there were just these parallels that were happening at the same time. and, And, and it really was like, okay, I can understand that in story form and then to take that and turn it around and really apply it to my life made so much sense to me. And I was just really reminded, you know, we're, we're always looking for, you know, we're like, oh, I just need some wisdom. I just need to know what to do. And I think I learned through this through this process that a lot of times there's wisdom that's all around us, oh, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> in unexpected places, and we just don't we'll, we'll' observe something, but then we don't take it that next step to go, well, what can I learn from this or or how how did this um scenario? turn out and what could I have done differently or how does how do I reflect that in my own life and so you know I I love the way I'm really proud of the book and and I and I love the fact that so many people can relate to the stories and and enjoy that but also just take the life lessons that um that I learned along the way and and um really resonate with those uh, yeah it's a it's a great summer read It
0: really is. It really is. Like I said, I just, I highly recommend it. And the last thing I usually ask people before we close out the show is where can we find you on the web? I want to ask you first too. I'm obviously going to put a link to the book in the show notes, as well as the video trailer that you all created for the book. But if I'm not mistaken, Flash has his own spot on the web. Isn't that
1: correct? Yes, he does. (laughs) Well, of course, he has to have his own Facebook page and his own uh, Twitter account. And, um, you know, he he does have a little bit of a challenge tweeting out 140 characters (laughs) with his hooves. I occasionally do have to help him. Um, (laughs) Where can we find Flash on the web? You can find everything about the book and the um, book trailers and stuff uh, at flashthedonkey.com. Okay. And you can find links to his Facebook page and and Twitter account. And, you know, he has a unique take on life. So he's kind of fun to follow. (laughs) Yes,
0: absolutely. And where can we find you, Rachel, in these days? What, What are you up to and where can we find you on the web?
1: um i am still blogging at homesanctuary.com um okay. not quite as frequently as i used to just because life is still is very full but i'm i'm really focusing on oh just uh, Some of the life issues, less on the small things, but um, I've kind of turned a corner with some of the things that I'm blogging about, but homesanctuary.com is where you can find me. And I would love to connect with you there.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today, for letting me pick your brain and for telling these stories. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. So thank you again.
1: Thank you. It has been wonderful. And I have to say, you look so cute in real life. (laughs) Your your little avatar is so cute. And then just getting a chance to see you, you're just adorable. So this has been a delight. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you
0: all so much for tuning in for another episode of Sorta Awesome. And we will see you all back here again next week. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode of Sorta Awesome are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. While you're there, click on the Ask Us link to submit your questions for an upcoming episode. If you are enjoying the show, it would be so totally awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget if you want to discuss today's episode. You can find me on Twitter at sortaawesomemeg, or join our community on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to pragermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss